Let's grab our Bibles and turn to Titus. We are studying Titus so we can get our Bibles opened and ready to get into Titus. Uh, we are studying the book of Titus, some of you would say, at a, at a snail's pace right now, kind of working our way through there. Some of you would prefer an Amazon Prime pace to uh, getting through the book of Titus. But what does it matter if we're in Titus 1, Titus 2, or chapter 3? I mean, it really doesn't matter, right? As long as we're in the Word of God and we want to go as deep as we can so that our worship can go as high as it possibly can. I believe that deeper is always better. And uh, hopefully by the end of this morning when we finish uh, verse 4, you'll be able to read Titus chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 with a newer sense of understanding, a newer appreciation for what God's Word has to say, and then taking those truths that you have learned in those first four verses and apply them to your life. Uh, we've been looking at, uh, as, it, as it pertains to Titus chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, the convictions of the Apostle Paul, right? He has written this letter to Titus, and he has convictions about his own life that drive everything that he does. In the last three weeks, we've looked at three of those convictions, and this morning we're going to look at the fourth conviction. The first conviction, if I could just remind you, was that the Apostle Paul embraced his identity in God. You can see that in verse 1, a servant of God and of the Apostle Jesus Christ. Second, he embraced the mission of God, which was uh, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. His mission was to make disciples and to mature disciples. And then the third conviction of the Apostle Paul was that he embraced the assurance of God, as it says there, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. His assurance was in God, the promises of God, which leads us to the fourth then conviction of the Apostle Paul, and that is this. Paul embraced the preaching of God's Word, the preaching of God's Word. Let's read Titus chapter 1, 1 to 4 together. It says this, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifests in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. Let's pray together and we'll jump into this fourth conviction. Heavenly Father, we ask now that our hearts would submit underneath the teaching of God's Word, that our lives would be transformed by hearing from you through Scripture. God, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be our guide, would be the one that, that teaches us, that gives a light to that which we do not understand and gives understanding to difficult truths that are hard for us to comprehend. We rely heavily upon the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you know that on any given day, any given day, there are 350,000 tweets sent per minute? On any given day, there are over 100 million Instagram posts. 
There are 854 million users. On any given year, there are over 200 billion posts a year. On any given day, there's over 350 million pictures uploaded to Facebook. On any given day, someone will watch four hours of television. By the age of 65, nine years of your life will be spent watching TV. On any given day, two hours and 22 minutes are spent on the internet. Now, some of you work on the internet, and that's fine. I understand that. And these aren't all necessarily bad things, but in the average week, you will spend 40 hours stimulated by pictures, video, technology, lights, opinions of professionals, opinions of not professionals who think they're professionals. You'll be entertained by videos, music. The thought of coming on a Sunday morning and sitting and listening to someone who has no lights, who has no gimmicks, who has no videos, who has no form of entertainment, and enjoying a 35 to 40 minute, maybe 45 minute sermon seems like an eternity. Preaching takes place in an over-communicated, over-stimulated, over-opinion society where hundreds of thousands of messages are delivered to you every single day. The challenge of the preacher in today's world is massive. The preacher really can't can't compete with modern communication that is only getting more and more sophisticated by the year. The question the preacher has to ask himself, the question the church has to ask themselves, the question the leadership of the church has to ask themselves is this, what is a preacher supposed to do? What should the conviction of the church and the leadership be when communicating the hard truths of Scripture, when encouraging the flock with Scripture, what are they to do? Well, we know what the conviction of the Apostle Paul was. The conviction of the Apostle Paul was this, to preach the word with which he had been entrusted to by God himself. We read it already in 2 Corinthians. It wasn't even planned that way. It's just the way God designed it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we read that whole chapter, and the last verse says there that that the Apostle Paul preached the word of God because that's with, with which God entrusted him to do. It was his conviction. This conviction of the Apostle Paul was one that he embraced. And we should never, ever count out the pure preaching of God's Word as if it's ineffective. God does something unique when you sit underneath the preaching of God's Word. God does something unique and special when God's people are together underneath the Word of God, listening to the preacher, preach. In fact, the Apostle Paul, as I said, was convinced of this. I just want to show you uh, exactly what uh, he said to Timothy. If you look over uh, to Timothy, and we talked about this uh, other uh, letter of Paul. In fact, just if, you're, if you have your Bible open, it's just to the left a couple pages in 2 Timothy chapter 4. This was the charge that he gave to Timothy. Timothy, you want to be a pastor? 
Timothy, you want to you want to you want to be someone who who shepherds the flock of God, then this is what you need to do. Second Timothy chapter four and verse one. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul says this, and this was written thousands of years ago. He says this, A time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth to wander off into myths. As for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You say, well, it seems as though uh, the preaching of God's word is archaic, that, it, that, it's, uh, that it's out of touch with people. Maybe we should insert some more videos. Maybe we should insert some more drama. Maybe we should, we should insert some things just to liven it up a little bit. Well, that happened in the 90s. Uh, in the church growth movement, uh, or the seeker-sensitive movement, uh, pastors got together and they, they said, you know what, the preaching of God's word isn't sufficient. We need to add some new methods uh, into this preaching. Uh, we need to dumb it down a little bit. We need to simplify it a little bit. Uh, and that was in, in the early 90s. Fast forward 20 years later and the stats are out. The, the movement has failed. In 1999, membership was up at 70%. In 2019, membership is down to 45%. The problem is not the use of modern technology, and I'm not against modern technology. The problem is the exchange of content for entertainment. Paul was always concerned about the content. Paul understood that the power came not from the style, but the substance. Not from the technique, but the teaching. It comes from biblical doctrines, not from visual stimulation. So we need to go back to understand then what is biblical preaching. We need to understand then what does it mean to be a preacher of God's word because this was a passion and a conviction of Paul. This is what he told, he told Timothy. In fact, he even said this about himself in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Woe is me if I do not preach Christ. And we need to understand this. Preaching is the primary method that God uses to get his message to the world. In fact, let's think about this logically, even just in this section. Paul identifies who he is. He is a servant of God. Paul identifies his mission. He is to make, he is to make disciples. He is going to mature people in godliness. He is going to give them the assurance of eternal life uh, that is from God. How is he going to do that? What's the very next conviction? He's going to do that by doing what? Preaching the word. Preaching the gospel. So the primary job then, of the pastor, it's not his only job, but his primary job is to preach the word. There's a few questions then we have to ask ourselves then about preaching. Number one, what is preaching? What, what is preaching exactly? 
Well, this word, you can see it there in, uh, in your Bible in, in Titus 1 and verse 3. It says there, through the preaching. Uh, the Greek word is karugama or caruso, uh, not to be mistaken with a Los Angeles Laker player named Alex Caruso. But the same Greek word there uh, it has to do with this, a herald of the word of God, a herald. And what a herald would do, if you think back into medieval times, you could draw your mind back into medieval times, what, what a king would do to get a message out is he would grab the herald, he would tell them the message, that herald would go out, he'd stand in front of the people, and he'd make a declaration to the people, he'd make an announcement to the people, he would proclaim to the people the message that came directly from the king. Obviously, this was before there were any tweets before there were any blogs, before there were any news outlets, before any of that, there were heralds. And Paul explains what the job of the preacher was, is to be a herald for the Word of God. They were to take the message of the king in the words of the king and deliver them to the people. It was not the job of the herald to sweeten the message. It was not the job of the herald to change the message. It was not the job of the herald to make the message longer or to make the message shorter. He had a very simple job. Just say the things that I give you to say and proclaim that to the people. Just proclaim the message. Preach the word. Believe the message that I give to you is what is actually going to change lives. Be convinced of it and, and proclaim it. And so what the preacher needs to do is just simply stand up, open up God's word, and give understanding to the message that the king has given to us. And according to 2 Timothy, what we just read, what, what Paul uh, said, to, said to Timothy there is that the preaching of God's word inv involves a lot of things. It can rebuke, it can reprove, it can exhort. You're to do this preaching the grace of God, the love of God, the wrath of God. The preaching of God's word is to be comforting, it is to be assuring, and it is to be urging people towards obedience. And this is what we strive to do every week on Sunday morning. We feel the weight of the preaching of God's word. You don't show up to Redemption Hill Bible Church and see anything other than then a pastor stand up here and say, open up your Bibles. We want to hear from God. We depend on the Holy Spirit to teach us, but we want to know what God has to say to us every single week. We would never forfeit time in the Word of God for anything else. It is the highlight of what we do. It's the most time that we spend is in the Word of God. And so we preach the truth. The best way that we can do this and the best way, method by which we believe in the preaching of the Word of God is, is through a, uh, a way called expository preaching. Now, some of you have heard of expository preaching, but maybe you wouldn't be able to define what it is. Maybe you even believe in it, but yet you don't really know how to define it. So let me help with, uh, with, with uh, describing or giving you an understanding what expository preaching is. Okay, here's, here's a couple quotes. First one is this. Expository preaching is when the message finds its sole source in Scripture. 
the message is extracted from Scripture through careful exegesis. The message preparation correctly interprets Scripture in its normal sense and its context. The message clearly explains the original God-intended meaning of Scripture. The message applies the scriptural meaning for today. Tim Keller says this, Expository preaching grounds the message in the text so that all the sermon's points are the points in the text. It majors on the text's major ideas. It aligns the interpretation of the text with the doctrinal truths of the rest of the Bible, being sensitive to systematic theology, and it always situates the passage within the Bible's narrative. Had Robinson says this, Expository preaching is the communication of a biblical concept derived and transmitted through a historical, grammatical, and literary study of a passage and its context, which the Holy Spirit first applies to the personality and experience of the preacher, and then through the preacher applies to the hearers. And so the job then of the pastor is to take these truths, to dig down deep, to figure out what's the context of which it's written, what's the history of what it's written, what's the literary, the grammar that is going on in this so that we can understand what God is saying. The last thing you want me to do or any other preacher to do is to stand up, open God's word, and say these words. This means to me this. You guys should not care what the Bible means to me. What you should care about is what does it mean to God? He's the author of it. And so what we endeavor to find out through expository preaching is what does God mean when he says these things? We want the author's intent. And so we start with Scripture. One of the things we don't do is we don't start with a movie review and then find Scripture to defend the movie review. One of the things we don't do is we don't find something that we like or something that we enjoy, and then we jump in and say, I wonder if there's any Scripture to defend this idea. No, we start with Scripture, and we let Scripture speak, and we do the hard work of trying to understand all the different facets of it, all the different parts of it, so that it could become clear to me and clear to you so that you can understand who God is. And when you understand who God is, you will understand who you are. And we don't want to get that reversed. David Wells says this. He says, preaching is not a conversation. It's not a chat about some interesting ideas. It is not the moment in which postmoderns hear their own private messages in the biblical words, one unique to each other, one, one, one unique to each other who, who hears, and then they go on their own way. No, this is God speaking. He speaks through the sta- stammering lips of the preacher, where that preacher's mind is set on the text of Scripture and his heart is in the presence of God. As theologian Martin Luther put it, Scripture lives in the preacher's mouth. This is the kind of preaching that issues a summons, which nourishes the soul, which draws the congregation in the very presence of God, so that no matter what aspect of his character, his truth, his working in this world is in focus, we leave with awe, gratitude, encouragement, 
and sometimes a rebuke. We have been in the very presence of God. That is what great preaching always does. We need to remind ourselves of this. When we come to Redemption Hill Bible Church, when we go to church, we're going to hear from God. We open up our Bible and we read it. These are the very words of God. And we take that very seriously because it is God's proven means to get His message out. Second question then is this. Now that we know what preaching is, second question is this. Why is preaching so important? Let me give you three reasons why preaching is so important. Okay, number one. Preaching of God's word is the means to salvation for the believer. The preaching of God's word is the means to salvation for the believer. This is the means God has chosen to get the gospel out. This is what it says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10 and 11 says this, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. This is how God gets his word out so that people would believe through the preaching and teaching of God's word, through the proclamation of the word of God. Secondly is this. Preaching God's word is the means to the sanctification of the believer. It's not just to the salvation of the believer, it's also to their sanctification. Sanctification meaning to the the cleansing of their heart, the cleansing of their soul so that they can become more like Christ. And true daily growth in the life of Christ comes through the ministry of the Word of God. Meaning this, you cannot grow in Christ apart from the Word of God. You cannot grow in Christ apart from understanding who Christ is. You cannot say, well, I'm going I'm to grow in Christ, but I'm never going to read my Bible. I'm going to grow in Christ, but I'm never going to go to church. I'm going to grow in Christ, but I'm gonna, never going to listen to the preaching of God's Word. That, isn't, that is impossible to do. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In John 15, 3, he said this, Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken to you. It's through the word of God that you grow in Christ. And listen, here's the reality. If the church does not hold high scripture, does not believe that it's through the word of God that you will become pure, if the church has a low view of God, your week, your entire week will have a low view of God. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. 
So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that's the word of God, that by it you may grow up into salvation. This is what the word of God does. We study it. We meditate on it. We memorize it. We line up under the preaching of it, and we take those truths and we apply it to our our daily lives. As we hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit convicts our heart. As we hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit gives us new knowledge and new truth, and it reveals to us our sin in our lives. And we say, you know what, I need to make some changes here because I need to become more like Christ. And when we do that, we line up underneath the Word of God, and it's part of our daily routine, and we come together as a church to hear, to hear the preaching of God's Word together, we become more and more sensitive to sin. And when we become more and more sensitive to sin, then our ability to know right from wrong becomes clearer and clearer. I love what John Piper says about this on the other way. L- listen to this quote about the lack of preaching of God's word and what it does to somebody. Okay, listen to to this, John Piper. When there is a famine of the word of God in the land, the spiritual nutrients that enable the eye to spot sin as sin is gone. And the spiritual protein that gives them strength to the moral muscle of the soul to do what is right is missing. The spiritual eye becomes diseased through malnutrition, and the clear lines between sin and righteousness begin to blur. The moral muscle of the will atrophies and weakens, and the result is that the beckoning of the world wins because there is no strength to stand against it. When the ministry of the word goes wrong, many are caused to stumble. When you take out the Word of God from your life, when you take out the Word of God from the church, it only feeds uh, the muscle malnutrition. And then you can't understand what's right and wrong anymore. You say, what's wrong with America these days? Why can't we understand what's right and wrong? Well, where did the Word of God go in the last 25 years? It's abandoned churches, then it's abandoned people's lives. If the church can't hold solid to the Word of God, how do we think the families are going to hold solid to the Word of God? If families are trying to be fed the Word of God on Sunday, but the Word of God does not exist in the church, it's not going to exist in the home, and they won't know right from wrong anymore. And so we need the preaching of God's Word to to sanctify our own hearts to draw us closer to God's Word, to draw us closer to the Savior. Because the Word of God sanctifies. Here's the third one. Preaching God's Word is the means to strengthen the believer. The means to strengthen the believer. This is what it says in in Romans 16, 26. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. One of the duties of the pastor as they're preaching God's word is to come and defend scripture. 
to come and speak the truth, but it's also an opportunity for the Word of God to strengthen and encourage the believer. Right? I already talked about this. We spend so much of our week getting the opinions of all kinds of people. We're trying to wonder what's right from wrong. We, we, we don't really know anymore what, who we should listen to, who we shouldn't listen to, who's telling us the truth, who's not telling us the truth. And what we need a stable factor in our week every single week is somebody who's going to stand up and say, this is the truth. And it strengthens you. It establishes your feet. The depth of God's word makes you mature. Understanding who God is, it keeps you from being tossed to and fro from all the distractions and the seductions of this world. And sometimes you need somebody else to say what you're thinking. You just don't even know that's what you wanted to say. And you're like, yes, I I needed a verse right there to comfort me for today. I I needed somebody to stand up on the Word of God for me, to encourage me, to give me hope. And this is what the preaching of God's Word does. This is what teaching the truth of God's Word does. And so what we do at our church is we center our attention around the Word of God. We center our attention around what God has to say, for, say to us each and every week. And you can be rest assured that the pastor isn't, isn't looking around on social media wondering, hey, what should I talk about this week? He's not looking around the world saying, I wonder what a good topic is this week so I can come and, and uh, find some scripture and slap it onto it and say, hey, here's the message for the week. Every week you're going to come and you're going to hear the preaching of God's word. The next verse, uh, 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 here's what's coming next. I'll tell you right now. We're going to study verse 5 next week. Okay? And your pastor is going to be studying what verse 5 means because I've got the accountability of 150 eyeballs looking at me, making sure that I get verse 5 right. So I'm going to do my job to study as intently as I can to make sure that we all understand what verse 5 of Titus chapter 1 means. Maybe even verse 6. Maybe. We depend on the Word of God, listen, as if our lives depended on it. And we unashamedly love the Bible at Redemption Hill Bible Church. We love God's Word. Why? Because it points us to our Savior. We love God's Word. Why? Because it points us to God. This is what David said. David said this, Oh, How I love thy law. It is the meditation of my heart. And people who criticize churches for being too biblical, or they criticize churches for holding high the word of God so high. People who think, oh, they they just spend so much time in the Bible and and, uh, not enough time uh, in the culture. Why would we want to get as close to the culture as possible when we can get as close to God and His Word as possible. We will always choose a high view of Scripture at this church. We will choose a low view of man, a low view of Scripture. I mean, a low view of society. 
We want to be as closely tied to God's Word as possible. And it's really sad when you hear of people say, well, I'm not going to go to that church because they, uh, they really love their Bible a lot at that church, or I'm not going to go to that church because they spend so much time studying the Word of God there. I'm going to go find a church that talks more about felt needs. I'm going to go, talk, I'm going to go find a church that has, has to do more with pop culture, pop psychology, trendy methods. Listen, what we all need is to find a church and to be in a church that has a high view of God's Word and a low view of self. You don't want to suffocate the Scriptures. You simply want to open it up and explain it. That's where the authority comes from. I understand. I have zero authority at all. All the authority comes from God's Word. And I just want to explain it to you. I love what Spurgeon says about this. He says this. He says, the Word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose, and the lion will defend itself. All I need to do is open up Scripture and explain it, and it's going to do the transformative work in your heart for you. Just let it loose. and Just explain James White says this, church history has repeatedly and clearly proven one thing. Once the high, highest view of Scripture is abandoned by the church, the downhill slide in theology and practice is inevitable. And so like the Apostle Paul, I'm committed with the calling that God has given to me. It's not popular, for sure. I, I, I didn't get into this business to be popular. I, I really don't care what popular is. I was not the popular kid in high school. I really don't. I don't even know what's popular anymore. But I know what my calling to Scripture is. And I know what is the most loving thing to do for you is. I know what you need because God's Word tells me what you need. You need to hear from God every week. You need to recalibrate your soul every week. You need to find your true north in the Word of God every week because every single week you're getting 40 hours of garbage. And you need at least 45 minutes of truth to battle each week. So we won't settle for anything else but the preaching of God's Word. Third question then is this, I'm going to do my job, now here's how you can do your job. How can I benefit most from preaching? Okay, this is how you can benefit the most from the hearing of God's word. And I'll admit, sitting under a 45-minute time, 40, 45 minutes, I don't even know how how long I go. Whatever, Whatever amount of time it is that I'm up here standing just babbling sometimes. This is how you can benefit the most, okay? You're going to want to write this stuff down. Because okay, I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. This is what you need to do to be prepared every week to listen to expository preaching. Number one is this. Before the preaching even begins, okay, prepare yourself mentally and spiritually before you even come to church. Some of us think when I get to church, then I'll have a couple songs and that'll get me 
that'll get me ready to go. Sometimes, look, the weeks are so bad, we need like an hour worth of songs, right, to get to that point. Okay, so let's back it up and let's prepare before we even come to church. Mentally, spiritually, what do we need to do to get our hearts ready to hear from God? Number two, pray for God to show you himself in ways that you can grow. Okay, when was the last time you prayed to God, God, I need encouragement from your word. I'm going to go to church this morning. I need to be encouraged by your word. Show me great things this morning. You do not have because what? You do not ask. Ask the Lord. Prepare your heart. Pray for your pastor during the week. Pray for your pastor before he preaches. Pray that his own heart would be right. I need prayer. I need to know what is God saying to us this week. Number four, prioritize the habit of going to church. I, I always said, Aaron and I have always said this, if my kids ask me if we're going to church on Sunday, then I've failed. If they ask me, hey, are we going to church? Okay, that's a problem in our, in our family. They just know it's Sunday. What are we doing? We're going to church. Of course we're going to church. Make it a habit. Make it a priority that they know this is what we do. This is what our family does. We go to church because we want to hear from God. All right, during the preaching. Okay, this is during the preaching. That's before, this is during. Listen with your head and with your heart. You have to think with the pastor, okay? Listen, I already said this, okay? 40 hours. You're getting 40 hours where you don't have to think. All right, that's what TV is. I don't have to think. As I was scrolling through Facebook is, I don't have to think. As I was scrolling through Instagram and Twitter is, I, I don't have to think. I could just mindlessly do that. And you're training your mind for 40 hours not to think. And then you show up on Sunday morning and you got to flip the switch and go, oh, I got to start thinking now. You got to prepare yourself for that and go, okay, I gotta, I'm going to engage right now in this. So you got to think with the pastor. Secondly, this is a personal thing that, that is always helpful to me is to take notes. You forget 80% of what you don't write down. Actually, I have no idea. I totally came up with that stat myself. We just forget what we, right? This is helpful. Some of you I know, it's just easier just to take it in and not be distracted by writing notes. Others of you, you write notes because it's helpful. Number three, use a Bible. Bring a Bible, use a Bible. The day we stop opening up our Bible or the day you bring a Bible to church and you don't use it is the day we've stopped being a church. Okay, you will always use your Bible. It's the habit of our church. It's the culture of our church. Bring your Bible, highlight it, write in it, bring, bring a way to, to write notes. Number four, fight distractions. Fight distractions. Isn't Satan so good at distracting us? Man, he is so good. You guys are like, what are we going to have for lunch right now? today? What, who do I need to talk to today? What, what about that conversation I still need to have? The Packers play today at 12.05. Am I, I going to get let out on time so I can get back to watch the Packers play? So many distractions, and we literally need to fight those. Say, no, not, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm going to be here in the Word of God. Okay, after the preaching, review your notes. Commit a verse to memory. Say, hey, there's a really good verse. I really like that verse about being strengthened through the preaching of God's word. I'm, I'm just going to write that down 
I'm going to slap it on my refrigerator, slap it on my bathroom mirror, and I'm going I'm to commit to memorizing that. Talk about the sermon with someone. This is a habit of the car ride home. Imagine being the pastor and asking your kids, how did the sermon go? <laughs> that's, that's our car ride home. How was it? How did it? What did you learn? What did you take away? Let's just talk, this is normal conversation that we talk about the things that we learned in church on Sunday. And four, make changes to your thinking and your behavior. And one, one comment about this, right thinking is worship. Okay, right thinking is worship. When you think rightly about God's word, you are worshiping God. So sometimes you walk away from a sermon, you're like, I really don't know what I need to do. Well, maybe I just need to change my thinking on a certain topic or a, cert, a, 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 a certain truth that I read there. I just need to change my thinking because right thinking is worship and so is the right behavior. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. This was the commitment of the Apostle Paul. He cared about the people that he preached to. He loved them. He knew that the means by which the message of the gospel was to get out was through the faithful, pure preaching of God's word. And I don't stand up here and tell you these things to validate what I do. You guys know me better than that. This just happened to be the very next conviction of the Apostle Paul, and it took the time, it's worth the time for us to be reminded of the truth. And it really is to your benefit. So what were the convictions of the Apostle Paul? Let's just wrap this up in a nice bow here, these first four verses. The Apostle Paul embraced his identity in God. He embraced the mission of God. He embraced the assurance of God. And he embraced the preaching of God's word. And then he says this in verse 4, to Titus, my true child in a common faith. He's passing these things down. Titus, take these things now. You're going to be left in Crete. You're going to be planting churches. You're going to be strengthening these churches. Embrace these convictions in your life. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. Next week, we're going to start this new section, and it's on godly leadership. It's on godly leadership. It's on really the measure of a godly leader. It's for the men to understand the standard by which God has called you. So wives, get your husband to church next week because they need to hear about what it takes to be a godly leader in their home, in their job, in their church. If you don't have a husband, then this is a list here of that which you're looking for in a husband. If you are a young man, this is the standard by which you are trying to attain. All that is wrapped up in our next section on godly leadership. And we'll jump into that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I hope 
and pray that our church would first of all be known by our love, our love for you, our love for the Word of God, our love for others. And that we would value rightly the preaching of God's Word. Lord, I I hope that we all understand that when we open up the Word of God, we are hearing from you. And Lord, I pray that that would just be exciting each and every week. That when Saturday rolls around, we're like, hey, tomorrow's Sunday, I get to hear from God tomorrow. And boy, I, I, I sure need it. And that becomes the habit of our life. Constantly hearing from you through the preaching of God's word. And God, I pray that we, we all would do our part to prepare for each Sunday, that we would all do our part to do our very best to listen in and try to understand even the hard truths of Scripture, and that then we would take those truths and we would apply it to our lives, that we would truly be not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. God, we're so thankful that you chose to reveal yourself through the Word of God in a way that is understandable, in a way that leads us to salvation, that leads us to sanctification, and that strengthens us. And I pray, Lord, that each and every week we open up our Bibles here at Redemption Hill Bible Church. We will be blessed by it. In the honoring your Son, Jesus Christ, through the reading and preaching of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen.